metrics. But the haters still troll. I love how much troll. I love how much troll. I love how much troll. This is the Haber Show Pod relaunch. First episode in months. The last time I had uh, this show on, it was uh, Amin El Hassan. And so I thought it kind of has to happen that I bring him back for the relaunch. I'm sorry. I should be apologizing to you. I, I canceled your show basically by coming on. <laughs> so, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to win back, you know, the masses. And that giggle you hear is Ethan Strauss from The Athletic. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the OG group uh, back at ESPN a few years back. We had a Friday show, uh, True Hoop TV Live on Fridays. Was it Fridays? I just liked I just liked a means uh, truncated imitation of Henry Abbott whenever he would say True Hoop TV. That's what I was into. True Hoop TV. True <laughs> Hoop TV. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the good stuff right there. <laughs> and we had we had a uh, we had a chat in there. It was it was ahead of its time. I feel like I'm not so sure we do enough of that anymore. And mm. we had, I felt like the best chemistry, things were going well. And I feel like in order to relaunch the Haber Show pod, I had to get you guys back. And I want to thank you for, for being a part of this. It's been a rough couple months, not just the pandemic, but um, I got, uh, I guess the word is laid off. Mm. Or maybe that's two words. But well, would you um, rather be NBC- fired? Would you rather be fired or laid off? It's a good question. Which so, one? Which one do you get to keep your money? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, sorry. You're yeah, laid off that, feels I, laid you know, off feels you know like it's just like, a, you. You were you were divulging this personal detail, this highly personal detail. I interrupted <laughs> you with my question, and I said it was a good question. <laughs> You called your own question. Good? I did. I did the Doc Rivers on myself. It's <laughs> a good question, Ethan. It's good, a handsome question. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got. Uh, I, I'm no longer at NBC Sports. Um, I'm closing that chapter of my career. And uh, Players Tribune, KD style, new chapter. Really excited about. Uh, can't really divulge the details yet, but. Um, one of those things that I'm excited about is relaunching the Haber Show pod. NBC was really great. I had a wonderful two years there. But um, the time has come to an end over at the Peacock. And I am moving on to, into this new space. And they were very friendly and nice on my way out and said, hey, you can have the Haber Show. All the dozens of listeners that were on the Haber Show, you can have that. And so I am excited. I um. I think really what it came down to was they saw Amin El Hassan on the show and they said, we don't want any more of this. Mm, mm. You can't recycle the joke that I use at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, it hasn't even been that long for you to go back to that. I I just want to interrupt because I feel like whenever you're talking about um, getting laid off or whatever, there's some built in, even if you're fine, it doesn't sound convincing. I've been through that where it was fine, <laughs> but it just the more you explain it, like, it's good. No, it's actually a good thing. It's 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 a good. It just doesn't sound convincing. I am aware of what Tom's working on. I cannot divulge it. I can assure you that it is incredibly exciting, and I look forward to it. And it's going to be awesome. So I Rem- am co-signing that, and I'm excited about reminder, it. Reminder, just a reminder. Ethan got laid off with like 18 months left on his deal. <laughs> So he basically got paid every day to write a book. 
got a well, book that ESPN didn't see a dime of. Well, because, I, I, I didn't, you know, I actually like a fool. I wrote my book, unfortunately, like during like on the athletics time because it wasn't supposed to be a Warriors book. I let's face it. I got paid to possibly maybe allegedly vape and hike in the East Bay Hills. That's probably what I got paid to do. Maybe. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty optimal experience. I have to say, it was, it was not bad. <laughs> so, in your case, it was you were being genuinely happy about getting laid off. It's oh, not just not the, talking myself into this. I was more than happy. I, I mean, this is your podcast, but I, I was relieved the day after I got fired. Just completely relieved. The day it happened wasn't good. It felt like the 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 walls were caving in and we all experienced that to a certain degree together. And it was just more than me who was going through it. But the next day was such a wave of relief because I was unhappy at my job at that point. I was burnt out um, on not just being a beat writer, which is an exhausting job. And some people are better oriented to do it than others, but also at ESPN, the responsibilities can pile up depending on what you do. And it can feel a little bit like the uh, the Hi, My Name is Joe song that they have for little kids where you have the, the button and then you're spinning the plate and then they just keep adding things. And I felt like I hated it, but I never admitted to myself that I hated it because it was just like looking at gift horse into the mouth or, or being a prima donna because so many people wanted that job. In fact, there was an article at the internal ESPN publication uh, that I think Mark Stein was also quoted – quoted in about how this was the greatest job in all of sports to cover the Golden State Warriors. And one day uh, I was at practice with Marcus Thompson and Michael Lewis shows up and Michael Lewis gives a talk to the Warriors and then he uh, walks up to us and he goes, well, you guys just have the best job in the world, don't you? <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like A, I feel miserable and B, I kind of rather be Michael Lewis. Like, we'd rather be Michael Lewis. That seems like a pretty cool job if one has the incredible talent he has to have it. Uh, but there was this outside perception that this, you have lucked into something incredible, which I did. And so it created a dynamic where, despite the misery, I just wasn't, I couldn't even admit to myself that I hated it until the burden was taken off me. And the next day was, oh my God, this is a relief. This is a relief to get off this roller coaster. I mean, did you, um, when you left the Suns, was that part of a layoff or was that just, I need a new job? That was, I need a new job. <laughs> it's, it's when you work somewhere and you hate the people you work for and they hate you back. Like that's, that's, <laughs> it. and you know, like, it's funny because I went through the, the stages of, I can fix this to, I can outlast this to just fuck it. Let me get out of here. <laughs> all in the span of two years. Like it was so, you know, and, and I imagine Ethan, you felt the same thing, but like, just to know you went from, man, we do this better than anybody out there to what the fuck is happening. Yeah. And that, that's a tough, that's a tough transition to go through. But like Ethan said, sometimes all you can see, all you can envision is what you're doing in the moment. It's hard sometimes to take that leap because there is a safety in the familiar and sometimes the inertia of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just the inertia. It's just, this is the devil, you know, right? We're told the devil, you know, over the devil, you don't. Sometimes the devil, you don't is pretty fucking good. And, and, and luckily for me, the devil I didn't know ended up being really good uh, for me. 
in my career. So you never know. That's, you never know until you take that leap. It's, so. it's funny to me because I remember uh, people trying to troll you online and say like, oh, you know, you can't get back in the NBA and whatnot to a mean. And just the absurdity of it because everybody knows that basketball ops – guys are generally miserable it, it is a tough way to make a living there there are a lot of yeah. different reasons for it i think there you can speak to a lot of the great things too and there's camaraderie and it's it's different from your standard office job but i don't meet many happy nba ops guys and the vast majority of them do not get paid as well as prominent no. media people no they don't they oh no they don't they don't get they don't get paid as well as re- people with regular white collar jobs like that that's the thing that a lot of people don't get. It's like it, you are making peanuts. I remember I got a raise to get up to 50k and I thought I was king of the world. <laughs> like yeah, I was just like you can't tell me nothing. I'm making $50,000. Like I got a raise to that, right? And and playoff bonuses help, but guess what happens when you get people who don't know what they're doing? The playoff bonuses go away. So things that you're counting on mm-hmm to kind of supplement your income, stop. And there's no other way. You, you, I mean, even if they would let you have another part-time job bartending or something like that, you just don't have enough hours to get it done. So literally, this is the only thing you can do. And that's tough, man. It's a, it's a, it's a tough way to live. I won't, I won't say I was miserable. I was miserable when I worked for a bad organization. When I worked for a good organization, long hours and poor pay. But I won't lie, I was happy, man, yeah. because I felt like what I was doing was meaningful. So it all really depends on the situation you're in. Uh, Jason Jackson loves to tell this story now of a late night at American Airlines Arena, and I'm walking from, out from with Sirius Jax. XM NBA and uh, yeah. the Miami Heat sideline reporter Jason Jackson. Yeah, me, me and Jax are walking out of AAA in the in the parking garage, and we get stopped by the Godfather, and Godfather starts telling me like, "Yo, when you go come, yo, when you come sign with Death Row." And I, I looked at it and was like, never. I'm never doing it. And no disrespect to them. They run a great organization. I have a lot of admiration. But I know I couldn't fit into that Wait, anymore. wait, wait. Was that story just the king of all name drops? Was that Pat Riley yes. offering I, you a job? Jason Jackson? And, and you spitting on it? Oh, he was offering Jason, Jason Jackson? Jackson a job. I thought he was offering you a job. No, he was <laughs> offering me a job. Or at least he was asking. He was inquiring. Wait, wait. Pat Riley stopped you and said, Amino Hassan, when are you going to – come over to the team side again? Yeah. And you were like, never. No. And he's not, and, and you know, like while we're, while I'm flexing this hard, not the first hall of famer to ask me that question. Not the second hall of famer to ask me that question. Wow. Larry Bird. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Ethan, let's try to figure this out. Um, Jerry West? Did Jerry West offer you a job? No, no. Okay. I mean, one of you, one one you guys should be able to figure out fairly quickly. The other one is, I think, I don't know if it, it would. We well, have multiple beyond Pat Riley Hall mm-hmm. of Famers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, I so I. I can't even imagine what Amin Hassan is working on the team side because I feel like you were born to have a microphone in front of your face. Like I thought, I, mean, I feel like you were born to be uh, someone with a platform. Well, yeah, I've never thought about that. I never thought about I, this. Is how much I never thought about it. The one time I thought about it was when I was watching um, Eastbound and Down when it first came out, 
and the season where he joins a very pseudo best damn sports show period as a guest for one day and someone's talking and he does the scissors thing is like, Kenny's cutting in. <laughs> I remember watching that and say, Oh, that would be so cool. But damn, I'm never going to be on TV. So I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> but I always thought, Oh, that'd be so cool if I could do that to somebody. Like it would be so funny. I never had any intentions of doing any of this, but you know, it, you know, life has a funny way of happening, but on the team side, what I was, was, you know, I was very much like I am now. It's just, it's very internal. So one is tell players and they're full of shit, man. Like it's the kind of the thing I used to do. I used to give them a hard time and, you know, sometimes they take it seriously. Sometimes they take it jokingly, but there was that. Uh, I've, I've we've talked about this on podcasts before. I was kind of quality control on ideas. So if we have an idea, I'll tell you all the reasons why the idea won't work. Not because I don't want it to work or I don't think it'll work. My job is to give you all the information you need to know what the pitfalls of this particular decision are. And then it's up to you to make that decision or not. So whether that's draft picks or free agent signings or trades, like I was doing a lot of that for, and, and that I was able to do that because Griff and Steve Kerr were two guys who welcomed feedback and did not take anything personally and, and were, and understood what value I brought to the table. And the people who came afterward were the very opposite. Their feelings got hurt when I would tell them trading for Ben Gordon is a dumb idea just because Joe Dumars says he needs to change the scenery. No shit. Joe Dumars is the guy whose his contract is around his neck, right? I would tell them, you see, I would tell them Goran Dragic is way better and you guys better not trade him. And the day they trade him, they left me out of the room. They literally went to a room and locked the door, traded him, and then acted like, oh, there's nothing we could do. And I'm not talking about the time he got traded to Miami. I'm talking about the time he got traded to Houston for Aaron Brooks on an expiring deal and going into a lockout. And they gave up a first-round pick to make it happen. First-round pick that became Nico Miritich, right? I, I like Again, my last act as a Phoenix Sun employee was to tell a friend of mine on the staff who had asked me to speak to the room and I refused. I said, I'm not going to talk to those people who didn't respect my opinion on anything. But I'll tell you, was to tell them, if you draft Royce White, you are going to make a colossal mistake. Because all of the intel they had was that Royce White was an awesome guy and everything's overblown. And all the intel I had was like, not with a 10-foot pole. I mean, and they didn't take him. And a, a pick later, he goes to Houston. So, or two picks later, he goes to you. No, it was a pick later, he goes to Houston. So, uh, like, it, it, for me, my job, and, and you know, obviously if I go back, I, I don't know if I'd do the same exact thing, but my job was to make people understand, if you do this, this is where the shit hits the fan. Now, you could still do it, but at least it won't be a surprise. Like, oh, why didn't anyone tell me that Royce White was kind of a manipulative dude who, who used his, his very real... Uh, ailment as a as a crutch to kind of guilt people. Well, you didn't listen. Somebody was saying it, but you didn't listen. This sounds so much like the lament of the basketball ops guy, and just so much of what you hear, especially people who work for Sarver. And I was hearing similar laments at the last winter showcase, which is the last time I saw Amin, and really the last thing I went to because I didn't go to All Star, but. There's something about that job of trying to prevent the slow motion car wreck and not being listened to. And then when things go well because of what you suggested, getting no credit, that just seems to inspire a level of angst that is not is not natural or normal or what you might associate with the downsides of a regular job. 
to be fair, many of the things that I just described was not a Robert level decision. This was the people I worked for who came in after Stephen Grip. Yeah. Right. It's one thing when I was with Stephen Grip, there were plenty of shit where we're like, you don't want to do this. And Robert's like, ah, like for instance, when we traded, uh, Boris Dion Raja Bell for Jason Richardson and Jared Dudley. We wanted both players. Don't get me wrong. We were very high on what Jared Dudley could become. And Robert was like, I don't know, because he'd never heard of him. Robert's whole thing is if he's heard of you, great. If he didn't hear you, then he, he's like, I don't know. So Jason Richardson, for us, beyond what we liked about him as a player, his big value was slam dunk champion Jason Richardson. Because <laughs> you know if you say that, Robert's like, I'm in, right? Yeah. You tell me I'm getting somebody that I can introduce at a party or a mixer. Well, then Robert, this is the Dan, Fa- this is the Dan Fagan thing. R.I.P. With this whole, yeah, I hear from all these teams, all these GMs. My fucking owner, my fucking owner. Wait, can I curse on this? Tom is. Oh there? yeah, of course. Yeah. The Haber Show. This yeah. is the lawless place here. So okay, go yeah. ahead. My fucking owner, my fucking owner. Uh, that's your job, buddy. Your job is to corral your owner. Your job is to manipulate your owner. I'm over here mm-hmm. manipulating my player. You think you could maybe manipulate your owner and maybe we can get something done? That's the dynamic. It's how do you how do you cajole this irascible billionaire into doing what you want to do? And even to that point, that's why from the very beginning, I was like, this hinky thing ain't going to work. I don't care how good it looks on paper. It ain't going to work unless you have you're just the most charismatic Son of a bitch ever. In, in the words of Jules from Pulp Fiction, you got to be 10 times more charismatic than that motherfucker from uh, Green Acres, right? Like, you got to be one charming motherfucking pig. Basically, you got to be charming as fuck to, to convince your ownership that this very long-term play is worth all the, the angst. And the GMs that you see that never get fired, and you're like, how does he keep his job this long? Because he's really, really good at corralling his owner. Yeah, the and, Ernie Grunfelds of the world. Well, and no, I didn't and, want to say Ernie's name. Well, Ernie's Amin did. Amin did call that, and it, it is one thing to say we're going to do something, but those private equity guys, those guys involved in the ownership group, I don't think they were ever involved in anything as public as this, and they didn't know what it was like to have failure hung around your neck. No, it's a that's, feeling. It, it's Ethan. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. That was the thing. Henry kept telling me, no, no, they're and Henry and, and Pablo, two very smart guys, very well-connected guys, but they kept trying to convince me, no, no, these guys are math guys because they're hedge fund guys or whatever. They'll understand. I said, there ain't no hedge fund in the world where they make fun of your kids at school for owning <laughs> the worst team. Like, that's a reality that's not – you're not factoring in, into your calculations. Yeah. Yeah, it's and and losing is its own thing too. Just having been around the Warriors before they took off, I almost just went and did something else. I was curious about the NBA. I kind of fell into it like a mean. I didn't have a, a, a plan that I charted out. It just was all very happenstance. I was just I, I thought I was going to do political journalism or write articles about stuff that wasn't sports and this was a hobby that turned into something else. But just hanging around Oracle and that stink of failure game after game and it just soaks into everybody's pores and it just losing is a real thing and it it filters down from the players to everybody else and it is powerful and i don't think that the people who took over the sixers necessarily respected the power of it 
Well, it, I remember sitting in an ESPN meeting, preseason meeting, and Brian Winhurst pitched this story at the summit. Um, and he just raised his hand. He's like, um, yeah, I think a story idea might be everyone's miserable in the NBA. Like everyone's mm-hmm. richer and yet everything is terrible. Um, it evokes kind of the Louis C.K. bit yeah. about flying in the air and everyone's mad about the Wi-Fi not working. He's like, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Well, is, Who is cares si- if the Wi-Fi doesn't <laughs> work? It, it was his, funny. His, I, I, I like Stephen Silas quoted uh, what I remember Paul Silas saying and something that Brian likes wow. to quote, uh, which is NBA ain't no bowl of roses. And it's a quote I return to often. But you were saying. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah, and by the way, by the way, the, yeah. the, the Louis C.K. bit is beyond the chair in the sky. It's, oh, you mean the shit that you just fucking discovered 10 minutes ago? <laughs> it's, the whole thing is it's the first flight ever with Wi-Fi. And then when they get in the air, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. And the guy says, oh, this is bullshit. Like, oh, I'm sorry. The thing you just discovered 10 minutes ago? <laughs> You're sitting in a chair flying through the air. And like the and and you see all these supermax guys get traded and they're every it just is kind of this bowl of of wilted roses where these superstars should be happy they're making 50 million dollars a year and yet their teams and the players can't wait to get out from their marriages yeah. right well, and as a as as someone who just got laid off in a pandemic I got to say you know having family has been so key to like my happiness because I come, I come home from work. <laughs> oh, that's mean. I, I I don't have a job right now. I guess I'd say coming home, home from my office um, and seeing the kids, it brings this like kind just a total different world. So we have this Twitter world where we're sitting at home or at the office and flipping like doom scrolling about the pandemic or about how this superstar is unhappy and trying to get a trade. And then I see my kids and they're like, Dad! And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And um, an amazing thing happened yesterday. My mom, who you guys both have done the pepper challenge. Thank you so much for that. Um, For ALS research, uh, we raised about a million dollars all in uh, due to, you know, sending to ALS, uh, TDI and all the research uh, biotechs, try to find a cure for this horrible disease that my mom happens to have. And, um, I hadn't seen like during this pandemic, I've seen my mom maybe one or two times, um, just a handful of times. And most of it is with a mask on. She's on a ventilator full time. And it's it's like what you imagine if you're going into a, a fighter jet, what you put on your face. Right. And I hadn't seen my mom smile in six months. And yesterday she had she underwent surgery to get a trach put into her neck so to help her breathe basically like instead of having a mask over your mouth you have a pipe going a tube going into your throat to help you breathe better so you don't have to do it on your own it helps you just bypass the whole mouth thing i got to see my mom smile for the first time in 6 months it was awesome like i i i can't tell you how cool it was not just that but giving the phone to my like FaceTiming and showing my daughters who are three and one, Jima smiling and their faces just lit up. And it was this really cool thing um, that like, man, uh, getting laid off sucked. Pandemic sucks. ALS sucks. But I'm super grateful to have family and 
there is good news to be found. You just have to go find it. And well, I've, I've taken on this thing where it's like, you got to embrace the good news. It like during this pandemic and during, I, I was on a quote unquote vacation when I found out I was getting laid off. I was with my, my wife's family and, uh, because the NBA had, uh, been delayed vacation, whatever it used to be was supposed to be the middle of August. And I was there and I got a call from my boss and he was just so apologetic. He's like, look, the pandemic just, it's, it's been really rough, um, on the, on just the revenues and everything. We, we won't be able to make it back. And I had to go back into work and work the rest of the season just with a smile on my face. Like, yeah, everything's going great. And it was tough, man. But, um, you got to f- embrace the good news and the good news yesterday is that the, the surgery went well and all you people who did the pepper challenge, um, there, the, the Congress just passed an act, um, new legislature, like unbelievably bipartisan, overwhelming majority vote to pass an ALS, um, law that would enable just people who have ALS to get access to benefits quicker and it just lots of good things are happening. And um, I I don't get to thank you guys in person enough because of the pandemic. But thank you for all you've done. Amin especially. Amin was like the first person to do the uh, the ALS Pepper Challenge he, on he air. It, he, he made it go TV viral. Is that what you're saying? Yes. He was like, he was like, Tom, I got you. Don't worry about it. And I was like, what are you going to do? And he's like, don't worry. I got it. And he goes on the set on ESPN live and hands out peppers to who was it? I mean, it was Rachel, it was Michelle. No, it was Michelle. It was, it was on. Uh, Rachel was the next. It one. was on Sports so, Nation. Yeah, Rachel was who I called out, and then Rachel did it. Uh, or I think Rachel was who I called out. Right, like because you're supposed to call out someone. Yeah, I think you did Chuck too, Charles Barkley. I did Rachel and Charles. Yeah, I think those were my my two call outs. But on the set, I, it was me, uh, Michelle Beadle, and Marcellus Wiley. Mar- who, who basically sat there and heckled me? <laughs> oh, and uh, Sean Merriman, because I remember I was drinking Sean Merriman's his water. He's got a branded water, so I was like, Sean oh, Marion or Sean Merriman? Sean Merriman, the, the, the San master. Diego Charger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lights out. Yeah. Dance. So yes. that's uh. So thank you for everyone. Lots of good news to be uh, embraced and enjoyed, and. Um, but the NBA, we got to talk NBA a little bit, I guess. The NBA is today, the big news today was that Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, went to practice and did the media availability and said, um, I'm not focusing on my contract. I'm just focusing on basketball. And if you're a Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> fan, and that is exactly what you don't want to hear, right? <laughs> yeah. Although, well, they, guy, although they will con- convince themselves. I mean, fans, hey. I'm, I'm not trying to say that we're we're above fans or whatnot. I'm just talking about a certain fan pathology. If you are listening as a fan, uh, I'm not talking about you necessarily, but they do have a flexibility for whatever they want to be true. And I can see those fans going, well, we want him to focus on basketball. This is exactly <laughs> what we want him to focus on. This is, you know, none of this media contract business. You know, we want him to win a championship. So this is good. It's not it's not good. I mean, just there, there could be better signs, I should say. Like, should this be the headline every single day? Uh, I mean, a meme. What should do you it think? or will it? <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I hope everybody knows every day that thing goes unsigned. It's going to be the headline every day. 
And then once the 22nd passed, it's going to be the headline in every city. Every Zoom session is going to be, uh, and let's not forget the, the obligatory Nick's Zoom session where you at, they ask him, could you see yourself playing in New York? And he <laughs> says, you know, I never say never. And I really, I've always loved this city and this building has a lot of meaning and all that. And then the New York press were scurries back and they write about Giannis open to coming to New York. And then the back page and say something like, uh, Greek freak in Garden of of Eden or something, whatever. And then Stephen A. Then Stephen A. Gets excited to just build up the moment when it doesn't happen, and then he can have the rant about the it. New York Knickerbockers, if they can get Giannis out of the combo, a two time MVP. <laughs> okay, now pivot. I'm here to tell you. Now, now pivot it to when they don't get him and they get some uh, some disappointing kind of mediocre player instead. Now pivot to that okay. one. Pivot to that. So 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 first of all, it has to start with. Now, you guys know that I've been nothing but praiseworthy to the job that Leon Rose and World Wide West and uh, whatever other people they have over there working at, oh, and Scott Perry have done for the New York Knicks. And I thought that they've done everything to put themselves in a position to go after the blue chip prospects like a Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then Jim Dolan's got to do something dumb and da-da-da. Hello, God. Brooke Lopez. Molly, uh, Molly, Max, if I got to watch another possession of Brooke Lopez with $13 million, I'm going to just, I don't know what I'm going to do to Lava. And the best part of that is that they actually signed Robin Lopez, but he says Brooke Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Max will tell them, Brooke, Robin, doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. It's just... Oh, it's all set up for it. All set up for it. But I mean, look, with these free agents, Zaza Pachulia. <laughs> I once, I've done, I've done. I'm sorry, Daniello Gallinari. In in my entire <laughs> tenure at ESPN, I've only done one show, one segment. Excuse me, with Stephen A. Smith. It was Sports Center, and we were talking about the Warriors, and like I went, and then. He went and he went off and he said Zaza Pachulia and then uh, Carrie Carrie Champion looks at me and says rebuttal and I'm like I just want to hear him say Zaza Pachulia one more time and he said Zaza Pachulia oh, I man. was like yeah this my night is made he's one of those dudes you know people say about Tony Kornheiser that Tony Kornheiser is not necessarily who he is on the studio set that he's more toned down Stephen A when he's in the media room it's awesome it's it's gather round and he's just spitting takes. He's just going with the takes. I mean, last time it was about the Celtics imploding with the Kyrie situation. And no, it wasn't the Kyrie situation. It was the Celtics imploding. I mean, that's him. That's him all the time. But we are digressing. Bucks, uh, Giannis. Um, look, I don't. I can't predict the future. I don't know what's inside his mind. I'm not a doctor. I mean, but did you just do a Stephen A. Uh, preamble? It might have been. Uh, but I'm white, so it's more of a Skip Bayless, you know, because they do the same <laughs> thing. They do the same misdirection. <sighs> you got to do the the hard exhale. <sighs> well, I, I didn't want to say this. <laughs> no, no, yes, no, I thought when the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> went out and got. Drew Holiday <laughs> and Boyan Bogdanovich, because he's got to fuck up the name, that they were a sure lock for Giannis to stay, that he couldn't have any complaints. But then one little thing happened and everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And the like, Cowboys. I, I, uh, yeah. I think about the, the Bucks and I'm um, like the botched 
Bogdan Bogdanovich trade um, probably doesn't get enough play. Mm. Um, the the no super max why sign get, from why from doesn't it get enough play? It, it does uh, feel like the pebble Tom. that might have thrown the train off the tracks. It does seem like that. I don't know if that's oh, true. Oh, was a pebble? Might not it have been a pebble. Okay. Might have been an anvil. But I mean, yeah, uh, I would say it's a little bit bigger than a pebble. But yeah, but it might have been foretold. Regardless, it seems like. It, Here's what I would say. Um, I think it's very understandable that a lot of people, especially on NBA Twitter and a lot of fans, are annoyed at how we wish cast these superstars off their small market teams. It feels like we are part of the drumbeat ushering these guys away. And it's creating too much instability in the league. They want us to talk about today. They want us to talk about the game. They don't want us to talk about free agency, free agency. The, num- the numbers don't agree with what you're saying, by the way. Yeah, I know. Let me do the preamble. But they never put the pressure on these guys, the, the fans of these teams, to assure them of some stability. And that's what's interesting to me. You know, if you're, you're – uh, Bucks fans, there's so much focus on blaming the media. I mean, Giannis can just he can just end this real quick. Yep. He, he could have ended it a while ago. You know? And that's not happening, and that's why this situation is here. That's why the speculation well, is what it is. L- let me ask you a question. Who was the last superstar homegrown, right? Not like not Durant, basically. Mm-hmm. To leave a Good situation, meaning good ownership, good management, good coaching. Was Paul George? Is Where did he leave that was good ownership, good management? I good guess coaching? it wasn't that good in Indiana, but I'm just it wasn't like known as bad necessarily. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't it wasn't exactly like Milwaukee is. I would say a very well run organization. Yes. Oh, right? and, oh, and I, uh, Ka- Kawhi. Oh, Kawhi. Ooh, that is a good one. That's a good one. It's different Who dudes. Else? Who different else? dude stuff because, happening. Yeah. Who else? Uh, I mean, I it, the Kawhi poll might have been all I had. Lebr- LeBron, LeBron leaving for Cleveland. I don't think that was good. Leaving Miami. I don't leaving Miami. Oh, for leaving Cleveland. Miami. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not homegrown though. But it, but it gets yeah, me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Count, yeah. It gets me to this next thing, which is: Have you looked at the list of supermax eligibility and what happened after that? Like the, the, the CBA puts in the Supermax contract to give teams this lever that they can pull to keep their homegrown stars on the books for forever, right? Here's the list of players who are eligible for a Supermax. You had to win an MVP in any of the previous three seasons. You had to win uh, Depoy in the previous season or t- both of the two seasons before that. Or you just basically had to make an all-NBA in the previous season, Okay. Steph Curry, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, DeMarcus Cousins. Am I missing anybody? That were eligible for a Supermax after the um, implementation of the CBA rule. Mm. Not that I Steph Curry signed. He's still with the Warriors. John Wall signed, and then he was promptly traded after he had his Achilles. Russell Westbrook signed, then traded twice. Damian Lillard signed. Oh, hold on. My fault. I was on mute. John Wall wasn't promptly traded, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it All felt right. that way because we forgot about him until it happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Steph Curry, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard. All right. Damian Lillard and Steph Curry are still with their their incumbent teams. Okay. James Harden signed and and, and now is going to nightclubs instead of reporting to uh, to camp. Uh, Anthony Davis, 
Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, DeMarcus Cousins. So that's nine eligible. Where, where was Jimmy eligible for Superman? In Chicago. Was he? Was he on the trajectory for a Supermax? Well, Tom's, making, Tom's making the point that something's rotten in the state of Denmark, unless this podcast comes out concurrent with the signing of the – but yeah, it's something so – it, it, it's going against hype is the point you're making. Right. The idea of the Supermax is – I don't know if it's backfiring, but it's certainly no lock and key to keep your superstars happy no. and in your team. So you know, what's a, you know what's a lock and key to keep your superstars happy and in your team? Good Run it right? well. Run it well. But Run wouldn't well. but wouldn't the Bucks say that we did that and look at this the Bucks that, and that's why they're an interesting case study, right? Did you name Kawhi on that list by the way, uh, Tom? Did he fit the criteria? Was he? A he he did he did, but they never offered it. They never offered it. Another they example. kept they kept saying, "Oh, we just want him." Da 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 da, and, so, and he kept saying, "Well, if you'd da da da, then then slide it over." And then, no, we just want to make sure, okay, all right, slide it over, and I'll, let, I'll show you how sure I am and how sure you should be. And they never slid it over. So became a game of chicken, yeah. Yeah, it became a, a game of chicken. Kawhi never got the offer. Um, but the, I guess to my point, that's what makes Giannis such an interesting case study in that I think <clears throat> obviously Kawhi, it, there was a fracture in the relationship that can explain that. Paul George also – Technically, there was a, a kind of fracture in the relationship. Giannis seems to be the first one where it's like, dude, everything's great. I just don't want to be here. Or, and this I, is I, the guy who's the humble, like, doesn't care about the glamour, uh, you know, yeah. isn't a guy who grew up in L.A. or New York or whatever is in Miami and wants to be in those, those uh, you know, glamour markets. Like, he is the prototype of what you would expect to sign with long-term with a small market team. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily view him that way, and that's not necessarily the image I'm, of him. I, have. Right. I don't. That, that's the image we've constructed for him. Like we will construct an image of you if we don't know enough about you. I mean, I think the ultimate example of this, and this is to draw no analogy between Giannis and this guy, but it's the the most extreme example to me is Marvin Harrison, where we just constructed a whole image of Marvin Harrison, the football player, in our minds because he didn't talk, and then he had this whole crazy side life that no he knew anything about and so i i just think with the honest i mean we don't really know what he wants we don't really know what motivates him and so i don't want to jump to too many conclusions well, but he can be a bit of a diva you, you hear those you hear those things coming out of there i don't want to get aggregated but you hear those rumblings well you wouldn't get aggregated for me uh i mean <laughs> I just don't like I don't like it. I, I, it's a necessary evil. I, you know, this is where I might sympathize I'm with hurt. one Kyrie Irving, the, the aggregation. But it always it seems like it gets taken out of context and then it gets reacted to. And we're just trying to be as honest as we can with the listener without having it be a headline. But, yeah, I think I, I don't know Giannis Antetokounmpo, but the, the, the situation, the uh, back and forth that was seen in the playoff exit. Uh, with him and Malika, I think should be a tell that he's not necessarily Mr. Just Humble Superstar, is what I would say. No, I, I don't think he's a humble superstar. I think quite the opposite. He's he's a maniac. All the all, yeah. all the reports. Yeah, he's putting are, the crown is, on his head against LeBron. I mean, these things are well, good. It, these things are cool. But yeah. yeah, it's more than that. Also, even it's also he's like 
you know, they lost to Brazil in the World Cup. And after the game, that's a Brazilian coach. Like, you know, what did you like? Uh, what did you what was your game plan? He said, I didn't need a game plan. I watched the playoffs. And so when Giannis comes back to the NBA, they play Atlanta and they're blowing out Atlanta. And he's mercilessly going at Bruno Caboclo, I believe. And gets teed up and dunks on him and all this stuff. And they asked him after the game, like, what the hell was that about? And he said, well, it's because with the Brazil, you know, Brazil, all the trash talk they made. And unfortunately, Barbosa and Verja aren't in the league anymore. So you're next up, kid. Like, he literally just picked on Cabogo because that was the closest Brazilian he could find. Right. So this is a guy who's extremely proud and extremely competitive to a maniacal level. I've talked to Chris Middleton about him. Chris Middleton, yeah, the guy's he's, he's a maniac. But to Tom's point, he's also someone who has openly, openly uh, praised the small town life and not really actively sought out kind of flash and, and glitz and glamour, even when you talk about some of the, you know, yeah. the endorsements and the things that he does. The other part of this, though, Ethan, is, is a theory that you and I have that is rearing its head again, which is, the accent cures all ills. Ah, when we you, we find you, have an you accent, adorable. We find he's talking. Oh, yep. Yeah, if I if a regular if a regular American player talks about drinking a smoothie, nobody cares. Nobody cares yep. at all. You talk about it with wonderment in your eyes with a Greek accent. Oh my god, it's just it's incredible. But yeah, I think I think the accent is rearing its head. And then to call back to earlier in the conversation. You can say that you like all the small town living and you don't need all the glitz and glamour and everything else until you think you're the best player in the league and they're putting your playoff games at 11 a.m. on the West Coast as happened. You think that's it? Do you think that's it? I don't think that's it. It's I mean, not it's not everything, it. but I agree with Ethan that there's a certain like place in the game that he hasn't reached yet, partly because he plays for Milwaukee. Plays for Milwaukee and you know, American fans just haven't resonated to him uh, in the way you might think. And I don't know. It's always an alchemy. I'm a little more interested in it than most people as to what creates a draw. You know, why this guy, not that guy? Why Zion? Why Zion getting 14 national TV games uh, and maybe even deserving that based on the numbers that Duke would do whenever he would play? Why him, but not necessarily John Morant? You know, America doesn't really care too much. I mean, there are answers to these things, but there's no, it's just human. It's alchemy. It's a je ne sais quoi. And you would think but, that, you would think Giannis would have it, but he doesn't. And you could say it's about being from another country, but it seems like maybe Luca does have it. And uh, Luca has something else. <laughs> uh, playing for the playing for the Mavericks, having a you know having a, <laughs> having a boisterous owner. <laughs> does he? I don't know. I haven't been around Luca to, to ascertain whether he fits the Euro stereotype of I don't shower. I just think this deodorant will get the job done. Uh, no, I mean, like I think that's part of. I it. said owner, not odor, by the way. Oh, I thought you said, oh, I'm sorry. A boisterous odor? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I really thought he said boisterous odor. Doesn't that sound like that, that? That's like um, that's like a second baseman from Latin America. That sounds like a name that you would find in baseball. Odere. Boisterous Odere. Boisterous Odere. Now batting second, number 12, boisterous Odere. What a glove, you know? Yeah. Just a real snappy throw to first every uh, time. And he, he, he bat 389 in AAA, guys. <laughs> So Milwaukee is my three, one of my three teams that I'm uh, I'm fading this year. Ooh, hot take. 
So I, I asked you guys uh, three teams that you're big on taking the over on the over under uh, in Vegas. And Milwaukee is at 49 and a half. They're projected to have the best record in the NBA this season, um, which translates to what translates to 56 wins over 82 games. Milwaukee, okay, and this is from um, Sports the Superbook. Jeff Sherman at Golf Odds on Twitter. Love that guy. Um, yeah, um, Milwaukee is projected to be the best team in the NBA in the regular season, and for all the reasons we just described, in the chemistry in the locker room and all the WWF shit they did last year, and um, the happy, happy, joy, joy, like. Everyone, I think, was expecting that to happen again this year if Giannis had signed on that dotted line. But now everyone's going to be walking on eggshells, I feel like, in Milwaukee. And the whole, hey, we we didn't really want to trade you, Dante Vincenzo. Like, all this stuff, it just feels like the, the chemistry and the we're going to go hard every single night and beat the living crap out of everybody that we saw from last year in the regular season. It's out the window. I don't see that happening. So I'm I'm under on Milwaukee – 56 wins. I love over it, man. Mr. Statman, Mr. Stat in your face is all about the chemistry in this situation. That's but he- I think that's what mm, – I think that's what over-unders over an entire season. I'm always looking at like the the stuff that you can't quantify or the stuff that isn't already baked into the over-unders. And, and keep in mind, over-unders is also kind of like not really what Vegas is projecting. It's really just where they want to have 50% of the bets lie. Um, so it's not necessarily a projection, but if I'm going to bet on a team to win the regular season this year, I don't think it's going to be Milwaukee. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, are we go? Are we getting into it? Are we going with our three, three fades and whatever the hell the opposite of fades is? Your three most overrated teams going into this this season. Ethan, go ahead. I found it. Maybe I'm an optimist. I found it so much easier to find the uh, find the antithesis. So I, I mean, Brooklyn is the one that just screams out to me. I mean, that's the oh, one. fucking pick. Easy. Yeah. yeah, that's the. It's like pulsating uh, so much. You're looking at. They gotta oh, get. It's he, he's gonna hear it, Ethan. He's gonna hear it. He goes. I heard what he said about the podcast. <laughs> Nobody like you. <laughs> Just be amazing. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the aggregate listeners. it. <laughs> so listen to this. Just He's haunting trying to me. sell books. <laughs> Just haunting me, haunting me. Uh, but fifty-one point eight for the win loss uh, that I see here. Uh, that's that's your adjusted for the eighty-two game. Yeah. Like, that's how yeah, I need to, to think about it. I can't really yeah, think about me, it. The I other can't. Way. Yeah, I didn't know what forty-five meant. I was like, what? Yeah, I can't think. So yeah, it's uh, for so Brooklyn, the, 45, Vegas has them as basically a fifty-two win team in normal circumstances, and yeah. you're taking the under. Me too. I, th- I would yeah, take the just hard like, under. I don't. The Achilles is a devastating injury. I hope uh, the man Amin was referencing recovers from it fully, but it's it's really devastating, and I don't think people properly appreciate it they think we're living in some new new age where it's just fixed and no that that thing is just all the way down on the base level of the kinetic chain and if you and i don't know because we can only know so much uh i don't know where that tear occurred so there's a lot of devil in those details if it's down by the heel or higher up that's potentially you're just never going to be the same guy I don't know if that's the case, but not knowing is one of the reasons why I sink below that 51.8 projection. And you're already getting this weirdness with Kyrie out the gate where he doesn't 
I mean, that doesn't seem like a positive situation that he's walking into. That doesn't seem like uh, yeah. I'm expecting to get a bunch of uh, great coverage uh, when he's not wanting to talk to the media. So, yeah, it's just that's just too high for me. It just seems like they have a lot of disaster potential, even if I wouldn't be shocked if uh, the talent wins out there. So that's the one that's. And and I think Amin Amin is going to take the over on the net simply because they have a bunch of Phoenix folks that he worked Mm. with. Mike D'Antoni, the associate head coach for Steve Nash. And you have the Amin factor where whatever Ethan is going for or or whoever Mm. is Ethan's enemy is now – uh, Amin's friend. So Kevin Durant factor. I think I think Amin's going to go for Brooklyn simply because the the Phoenix Suns ties and also the enemy of Ethan Strauss is my friend. Okay. Well, no, we'll- you know, I didn't want to. I I was actually going to go under, but I, know, I, I look at it. 50, 51, 52 wins. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's. I think sometimes we under um, we underestimate what just pure talent does right the like, lakers <laughs> yeah like like to me i look at i look at brooklyn and i see a million different issues but at the end of the day you're going to win a bunch of games uh, same thing happened to me in a way last year with houston my expectations for houston with russell westbrook and james harden were super low because i just thought you can't you cannot it won't work but like I underestimated in terms of a regular season thing, just how many games you're just going to win because you're better. You're going to beat up on teams just because you're better. And that's ultimately when you talk about a 50-win season, it's built mainly on beating up the people you should beat up that have no business being in the gym with you. No matter how much of a, you know, uh, of a headache Kyrie is, like at the end of the day, they're going to destroy like, Cleveland four times and the Knicks four times and, uh, you know, uh, uh, India, uh, not Indiana, um, Detroit four times. Like these, th- this is going to I mean, happen. If, if Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, I mean, that's the big, if. even if Kevin Durant's not Kevin Durant, mm, I don't know. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, who's, who else do you have? Uh, I would go with, Ooh, uh, this one definitely Denver. Mm. I, I my bold prediction on Series XM was that Denver is going to be in the play-in tournament. Wow! So you think fraud, fraud conference finalist? You think no, Jamal I don't Murray think, was a no, mirage. Well, okay, okay. So maybe a little bit of that, right? But more so, this is a team that lost every single d- good defensive player they've had over the last two years. I like it. M- Malik Beasley, Tory Craig, uh, Jeremy Grant. And and Mason Plumley is is no one's com- confusing with Matumbo, but still a, a good defensive player. And so now you look at that's the possible starting lineups for Denver. Jamal Murray starting, not a good defensive player. Nikola Jokic is starting, not a good defensive player. And then your remaining three slots is it Michael Porter Jr. We believe is going to be one of those, mm-hmm. not a good defensive player. So now. Gary Harris, but Will Barton started every game last year. So is it Will Barton? And if he is, not a good defensive player. Jermichael Green was a, was a nice pickup, but you know, is he going to start for them? Will Bart? Uh, excuse me. Uh, Paul Millsap, hundred years old. Right. Isaiah Hartenstein, relatively un un unproven. Hundred years relatively? old, coming off a split second of an off season. 
uh, which I think is another factor. No, I, I, I like the call. And it sucks because I love that Nuggets team, and I think the NBA needs more of that organic, ground up, watch the team grow together. NBA needs more of that. And so watching their offseason was, was a disappointment. But I think when you're looking at these things and trying to gamble, uh, defense, always underrated, always yep. the market inefficiency. And I think Amin is on point with fading the Nuggets. The the swing factor there would be ball ball. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, he could be. He I mean, I'm not be. saying he is gonna turn he's, the tide. He's got them, an opportunity. Yeah, he's gonna get minutes, and he can be the defensive force that they need uh, on the back line. Um, and just be the wild you got, card. You guys want another under, by the way? Yes. How about this one? I'm I'm torn between. I got, I got I got one that's considered good, and I don't think it's going to be that good. And I got one that's considered bad that I think is actually going to be worse. Which one do you want? Bad to worse because this is a dynamic I want to talk about because we've got Cade, okay. Cade Cunningham looming and others. Okay. <laughs> Chicago and Minnesota. Walk mm. out of here. You guys are not winning no 29 games. Okay. <laughs> my, my, my Minnesota defense would be this because I think, again, it's defense. That's the market inefficiency. Minnesota's defensive ability, awful. But they are incentivized to win versus a lot yeah. of these other situations where these teams yeah. are incentivized to stink because Minnesota's pick, top three protected. Um, basically, they should be trying to win. Um, and some of these other teams are going to, I mean, especially in this season where you don't have gate revenue to worry about, probably. I mean, why the hell not? If you don't have some sort of looming TV contract you're trying to sign, who cares? Just tank away. Ethan, strategy question. Hmm. If you're the Warriors, do you trade that Minnesota pick before the lottery? (sighs) Before the lottery. Um... I mean, I don't know. It might have its most allure. I mean, I was thinking it might have its biggest allure like now or right before now. The, um, the biggest potential allure is if they end up being the four pick. That's the biggest potential. I, I kind but, of want to know. I mean, I want to know if the Warriors season runs aground. Hollinger projected the Warriors to be 11th in the West. Now, if they have that kind of season, but that's just that's a much different dynamic to me. Like I need to know. I need to know how bad the Warriors are when I'm considering making such a trade. I noticed you didn't put them in your under, Ethan. I like a lot of what I'm hearing out of there. Um, I didn't like what I was hearing last season. I think I wrote that there was a strong possibility they'd miss the playoffs and a lot of uh, loyal fans were not happy about it, but that's because we were talking to Steve Kerr. You know, those are tea leaves to read. He was saying pump the brakes. He was reeling. A lot of other people around the team were reeling from what they lost defensively. Again, defense, the market inefficiency. Um, And while it is a devastating blow for them to lose Clay, uh, I think that they have done a pretty good job stocking the roster with uh, with athletic defensive players. Now, the swing factor for them is, if Steph gets hurt, it's just there's there's no offense. Like, I don't know how they're going to score. Uh, they've always had an issue scoring when he's on the bench. But if you think he's going to be healthy enough after all of this rest in this offseason, um, it's it's an intriguing roster with uh, I think they're going to swarm teams. I think they're going to play really fast in, in transition. And I I'm just kind of reading the local vibes of how the coaches and the people around the situation are talking about it and that 
even though the Warriors are probably overrated most years because they are a public team, that scares me off putting them in the fade category. I've got I've got Houston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Houston, the, I, I saw it in a couple places that um, – in a couple of my buddies who live in D.C., they're like, well, why would we trade John Wall who's two years younger than Russell Westbrook and have to give up a pick to get that to happen? And I was like – John Wall might be 30 years old, but in like effective age, like I don't think we do this enough where we have guys coming off of a huge injury. Yeah. like, I don't think he's 30 years anymore. Like effectively, I think John Wall is probably like 34 or 35 mm. at the tail end of his career because of that injury. What, what's, Kevon Looney's, fa- what's Kevon Looney's effective age? <laughs> oh, man. It, By the way, I'm predicting a Kevon 40. Looney renaissance. That's another part of the yeah. uh, reason I'm not fading. But uh, yeah. I'm taking I'm taking Houston under for all the reasons we already talked about with with James Harden and, and trading him now and and uh, Christian Wood I talked about it on Basket Buds um, over the weekend for, for the Monday show on the Athletic is the Christian Wood factor so many things have to go right for him to be in a happy situation where he's he's going to outperform his ex- expectations again um, I think he's Hassan Whiteside 2.0 as soon as he gets as soon as he gets paid the whole equation changes. Um, and Christian Wood getting his money after seven teams saw how talented he is and passed, including one in Detroit that had every incentive to to re-sign their homegrown player development yep. star, and they passed. I, I that is definitely a smoking gun. Yeah, <laughs> that is definitely when, when that happens. Like you got it, it's by the way, it's one of the reasons why people say, "Oh, you know, Harden might go to Philadelphia because Daryl's there." And I said of any of the trade partners rumored connected with Houston, the only guy who knows unequivocally what he has and what he's giving up uh, and what he could have is Daryl. He's the only one who's been around both sides. And so it should be telling you Philadelphia is not aggressive in its pursuit of James Harden. Uh, By the way, Detroit, uh, maybe over at 20, uh, 26.8 adjusted. Uh, Ooh, are you are you banging the over? Yeah, I don't think they're that. When I look at some of these other teams, I don't know if they're that bad. I mean, they've got some veterans. They've got some rotation players. I, I don't think that they're the Knicks. I, I mean, the Knicks are a little bit less. I mean, the Knicks are projected for one, yeah, one fewer game. Like, I don't think the Pistons are the Knicks is what I'm saying. Plus, I like okay. Killian Hayes. I know rookies don't add wins, but I, I maybe that's a Killian Hayes pick. Um. My three up. Wait, I mean, did I get your three down? All three? So you had Brooklyn? Uh, well, no, I, I flip-flopped on Brooklyn. I have I have Minnesota. I have uh, uh, Chicago. And then, uh, what was the one? Oh, Indiana was my third. Yeah. I've I got like an Eastern pick. Conference playoff slate of an over, by the way. I've got Heat, Raptors, Celtics. Uh, those are none of the three that I have. For my three ups. That's interesting. I have Philly, Charlotte, and Golden State. And I know I'm a homer on the Charlotte thing, but people are getting upset about the Gordon Hayward contract and not looking at the Gordon Hayward, the player. Yeah, he's good. And I I feel like he is a really good player, maybe not all NBA, but he's kind of the prototype of what you want in the NBA. It's funny. Who does just a little bit of everything. I think he's good for the – it's funny. I think he's good for the Hornets, and I also think that – it, there was there's such a traffic jam on the wings on the perimeter and in 
uh, Boston that I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for them and their young players, their budding stars to grow without him. Um, so in a weird way, I think it's maybe I, I don't know if it's addition by subtraction, but I just don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the Celtics to uh, to not have him there, even though the circumstances are suboptimal as to how they lost him, as John Hollinger was writing about. Uh, but yeah, I like those I like those Eastern Conference teams. I think that they're they're all well coached. I want in this chaotic situation, I want a proven sharp coach. Uh, mm. that's, that's part of, that's part of my thinking here. Uh, a lot of, you got to think on the fly. I mean, I just think about, look, I know nothing about Steven Silas and how good a coach he is, but I don't want to start off in this situation with the ground shifting underneath my feet, uh, all the time. Um, I, 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 I favor, I favor those coaches who are proven, um, and have a lot of capital to do whatever they need to do to get wins right now. Golden State, I just feel like people are underrating the Steph factor. Like you said, if he's healthy, I mean, bang oh. me over. But. In, in the one game he had with Wiggins, if you watch that game again, and Wiggins didn't have a great statistical game, but it was just open shot, open shot, open shot, because he's still that guy where he runs one way and three guys run with him. And it is forgotten about. It, it is. It is unique. You know, it's not something Damian Lillard does. We were making those comparisons as great as Lillard is. But yeah, I think people are underrating that factor. In Philly, uh, I'm having I'm hitting the over on a 51 win team. People forget in 2018, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's on court offensive rating playing together 113 points per 100 possessions, one of the best in the NBA. Their net rating on the court was plus 16. Last two years ago, it was plus seven. Last year, it was one. Not the trend that you want to see with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but I think that has more to do with personnel. Um, And I think Daryl Morey understood you need shooting, shooting, and more shooting. Getting Seth Curry, maybe one of the, what, five best shooters of all time on your team surrounding Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I mean, you're going to see so much more fluidity to that offense and so much more... Um, gravity to the perimeter than what we saw last year. So I'm going banging the over on Philly, Charlotte, Golden State. Amin, what do you have? Ooh, the overs, the overs, the overs. This is how Amin filibusters while he pulls up the chart <laughs> again. Do- do- <laughs> I thought Dr. Doom was going to uh, you know, throw more cold water on the optimism like he did in the Phoenix Suns front office and some of the ideas. Um, I'll tell you what, not to digress too much. To no, my, take, take a mean, give a mean yeah. a, few, a breather here. When I'm looking at this and I'm looking at how they did the national TV schedule, I'm thinking, so basically you've got, you know, 16 games for the Lakers, 14 for the Warriors, 14 for the Pelicans, and neither are projected to win most of their games. That could get pretty ugly if these projections are to be believed is what I'm saying. I mean, that's, that's. That's interesting, I would say. It's interesting if two out of your three or four top teams for this very lopsided TV schedule are not winning, that could be a bit of an issue. The Pelicans one, I need explanations on. I'm writing about I it. would go I would go Washington over. Yes. Yes. I think again, like the whole We've gotten so used to bashing Russ that we've forgotten kind of what makes him really fucking good. 
And in a situation where you put them on the floor with a bunch of shooters, yes. and spread the court, they're going to be good. And they, they, by the way, they needed someone like that. You know, like this is—he's much better than John Wall. John, one hundred percent, John Wall. He's much better than that. And so, whatever healthy John Wall has provided for the Wizards. First of all, this roster is more balanced in terms of bringing more shooting out there. And second of all, Russ is better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, I think they're they're actually going to do very well this year. Um, another over. We got one from Amin. Oh, oh, here's the second one. And this one, I'm I'm kind of surprised. Portland? I they know. Portland that low? Portland really? always... Portland always hits the over. I mean, Neil O'Shea always will talk about it. Always. Neil O'Shea. Always hits the over. I, I can hear Neil O'Shea's voice in my head right now. Just, that's what you guys don't get. That's what you stack guys don't understand. That's oh, what you don't get. Name drop. Wait, how, but like, I feel like stack guys are number one in like loving Terry Stotts and Damian Lillard. Like, I feel like that's that's just, I mean, I don't know why the analytics guys became the the target of that. I, I, I there I, it wasn't there was a specific name he was naming and I think I subbed it in for that particular. <laughs> there is a Damn. guy that we are friends with whose job it is to grade trades immediately after they happen, which is a very difficult job that he Can't does. Can't believe well. you called Zach Harper out like that. <laughs> but it makes general <laughs> managers absolutely absolutely hate him. <laughs> really for his trouble. Really? Um, yeah, because because Again, like this, this goes, think this about goes. it. My fucking owner, my fucking owner. Think about it. The owner doesn't know shit. He yeah. doesn't know anything. What's he going to do? He's going to go to a certain four letter website that's known for having the biggest and best sports content. Uh, OANN? And- <laughs> Of course. And he's going to you know, click thing. on it. Yeah. He, he's going to click on it. And the grade is a the grade is a D, you know, and then from the GM perspective, it, it's well, the person giving the grade doesn't know what move this sets up or why I had to do it to appease this guy or that guy. And now my owner's calling me saying, what the fuck? You just made a D plus grade. So that's that dynamic. I love the Portland pick. Say- that mean the the Robert Covington, even though he's not a five, he's going to help their rim protection. Uh, I think they vastly improved their defense. And I think we don't talk enough about the subtraction, the addition by subtraction. I know Hassan Whiteside, I've already said enough about him on this, but I think the Miami Heat's improvement last year wasn't just about Jimmy Butler. It was about all of the energy in that locker room and all of the coaching and hand-holding on offensively like they didn't have to deal with that anymore they could just focus on high basketball iq players and i think portland by upgrading their defense and not having guys who look good on paper defensively like like Hassan Whiteside and christian wood are like my all scissors team He's like, what beats paper? The the guys who are on paper, good players, they fill up the box scores. They get a lot of block shots. Scissors beats paper, right? I think Christian Wood and, and Hassan White's around. <laughs> What's that? It's a very complicated analogy. And it was hard for us not to make any jokes about all scissors teams. That would have been if it, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> Portland, I think. Who wants, Port- to get, who wants to get canceled right now? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Woo! What beats paper? Rock. Shout out to Mickey from Seinfeld. Rock beats paper. <laughs> what beats rock? Nothing beats rock. 
It is true. Is the idea of what this paper envelops rock that the rock is defeated? I don't buy it. Sounds like a lie. So Portland, I like, and then uh, who else you have on your over? I mean, I gave my overs. You had Washington, Portland. I gave my overs. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's your cue to shut the fuck up and let me get mine. Yeah, then. but you've been filibustering the whole time. How I'm am not, I supposed well, to I was know filibustering because I wanted to pull. I wanted to pull up the chart, not because, not because I just I didn't know. Like I had to go do homework and shit. Like I know who the ones are. I just got to see what the the uh, the win totals are. Number three is San Antonio. San Antonio being at, at 30, uh, 29 and a half, which is an equivalent to thirty three win season. Maybe people forget like how good San Antonio Ooh, I is. Got a counter when they're healthy. Got a counter. I've got a counter. Does this mm-hmm. not feel like it is the time for it to happen again for the Spurs to do a tank job, to replenish and revitalize, to Ooh, do I'm the sensing thing? Sensing a grand theory here from Ethan is no. that this entire season is going to be about the next draft. This is the tanking season. This is this is it because look, the NBA did well to adjust how lottery odds go. They did well. You know, it's you can't guarantee yourself a number one pick. You can't throw your hat into the ring in the way that you could. But this is a whole different kind of draft. This is the kind of draft where people feel like if you're in the top 10, that's like 10 number one picks. I mean, that's how they feel right now. Maybe (laughs) the dust will settle a little bit. But I've been watching some of these players and I haven't even seen the G League guys. And there are a few of them. And, you know, a couple who might contend for that sort of top four pick status. And they're impressive. It's it's not like last year. And so now it's a situation where if I stink, I guarantee myself top five. And top five in this draft is theoretically way better than number one pick in 2020. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Considering who the number one pick was, the guy who said, you know, what? I don't even know if I like basketball. <laughs> And he didn't even have good stats. Didn't have good stats. Didn't really like basketball. Nerve of this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He negged the league. He really did. I mean, he was saying everything to try to not get drafted. And uh, it just it was a it was a hard to get that he played perfectly, apparently. Uh, but yeah, so this is and then you combine how you're not getting hurt at the gate. As I said before, this is this is just tanky conditions right now. Very tanky. So you have Sam Austin, Tanky? Ethan. Uh, my Who else? so I had Miami, uh, Miami, Toronto, Boston. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe I'm a little intrigued by the Detroit one. I think that one might be a little too low, but yeah. The thing though, I worry about Miami is just overinflated expectations coming into the season, and they're probably Absolutely. just banged up coming coming in, just like tired, and to, that they're just going to coast they're until young. the playoffs. They're young. No, 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 no. The the combination of a long season, the, a season that ended fairly recently, and then like people who let's call it what it is, overachieved, not being able to do the same thing. And I'm looking mm. specifically at Kendrick Nunn. And uh, Tyler Hero. You think Tyler yeah. Hero's just living out on his? Uh, he's resting on his laurels down there. You know, he's a big shot. It's not even. It's not even resting on his laurels. It's it's about being on tape, mm. right? Like the the league now knows that the tape is out on on Tyler Hero, and so unless he's had a massive leap in the seventy days. Since the end of the season, remember, it's not a regular off season where you say, oh, yeah, he went back and he added this and he added that. 
70 days, man. Like, how much of that was actually even spent working on your game versus just healing up? Because those guys, everyone's hurt. That's what people don't understand. Like, at the end of the season, everybody's dealing with an injury. They just don't report it. But everyone's dealing with No one's like, oh, I feel great. I feel refreshed. Mm. So the idea that in 70 days this kid has turned around and healed up and then added more shit to his game, probably not likely. He's probably going to be closer to what we saw in the bubble. But the difference is now everybody knows and the game plan for it. And so that, that to me, is going to be something to watch for. Kendrick Nunn may not even be in the rotation anymore with the addition of Avery Bradley. Um, Jimmy Butler... We saw how exhausted he was. Like, he gave every last bit of himself, uh, you know, to keep that team competitive in those finals. I think it's natural for them to not have a great start. Or rather, actually, you know what I think is going to happen. I think they'll start fine. And then they're going to hit a wall in the middle of the season. Because while everyone else is riding off of huge reservoirs of energy, they're they're spent. They're tapped. Well, what if I push? So, I push back and I say Bam's a star, and is, will yeah. continue to flourish. Yeah, yeah. sure. But is, is it not enough to push that win total to where they have it? It's fifty-one hmm. wins equivalent. It's fifty-one equivalent. Uh, man, maybe I don't like that one. Maybe I swap. And by the way, and by the way, a franchise that knows. You know, wherever you seat us, it doesn't matter. Because, again, home court doesn't matter. So they just went to the finals as a five seed. They beat the one seed. They beat the three seed, right? Are you telling me, like, oh, man, we're the Miami Heat. We really, really need to have home court advantage where there are no fans? And Ooh, just- I mean, I just thought of something else. What's that? Do you think in a COVID era there's going to be the South Beach flu anymore? Mm. There's always going to be a South Beach flu, my friend. <laughs> it's just going to be the literal coronavirus, is what it's going to be. Yes, yeah, that's the difference. It's, you're going to actually get. Oh that. no! Uh, God, what do I replace like, them with? Oh, man. What do I replace the Heat with? Yeah, fifty point seven. Yeah, that might be a little bit, a little ambitious of a pick. I'll replace them with Portland. They always nail the over. Okay, every time, except for last year. They didn't last year. Well, never mind. But again, like the other thing is last year was their a num- fluke season. Their last numbers year. deflated. Their numbers deflated because uh, Nurkic was hurt for most of it. Zach Collins was hurt for most of it. Um, uh, Rodney Hood was hurt for mm-hmm. all of it. Right now, you say we come back with Damon CJ. We're both hurt at different times during the year. Damon CJ are healthy. Rodney Hood is back. Carmelo, who, who was relied on, now gets to be a little bit less relied on and can focus more on just being mellow, right? You added Derrick Jones Jr. You added Covington. Nurkic is healthy. Zach Collins is healthy. You don't, don't forget about Simons. Nas Little is coming around the corner. Like, they got themselves a fucking squad now. Mm-hmm. And so to me, to look at their over-under, I'm like, did y'all not know why they were as bad as they were last year? You know, Kevin Durant once infamously said, to C.J. McCollum, but y'all played like an eight seed mm-hmm. when they were a three seed. Last year, they were a three seed. They were they were an eight seed who really were like a three seed. And that's where I think they'll be this year, a three seed. That was KD at his best when he said, don't worry about... Uh, what happens at the top. Uh, at the top of things. <laughs> uh, Great quote. 
feel like we got to um, acknowledge that you're, you're trying to get aggregated by KD on the positive side now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You're buttering him up now. I mean, I don't know. It's a crazy world, man. It's a crazy world. What if I put in an interview request and he wanted to do it? You don't know. It could happen. Mm. Could occur. Yeah, so I'm I agree with CJ. I think there was a projection that had the, the Blazers out of the playoffs. I love their offseason. Love it. And Dame, um, all about the right things. And he's talking about shooting from half court logo Lillard. Love Portland this year. I'm gonna mean. Fellas, um, three up, three down. Thank you. Um Thank you for coming on and being a part of this. And um, yeah, thank you for trying to get it aggregated, Ethan. I mean, I could have worked harder, if we're honest. I could have uh, used <laughs> some more names, specific quotes. The season's starting scandal. in two days. The preseason, it's crazy. It's crazy. I can, tell, I can talk about what somebody in Steph's camp told me about Giannis. I could say a lot of things. I could say a lot of things. Just kidding. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. It's the Raptor. He's going to the Raptor. I'm just joking about that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that one. Sticky. <laughs> Is that why you bang me over on uh, Toronto? Because you just got a little Giannis factor that they're, he's going to get traded there? I would like to do a podcast where at the beginning we say that we are lying and then see if, uh, you know, or maybe at the end say it and see if somebody rushes to the aggregation no, machine. You can't, you can't do that shit at the end, man. That'd, that'd be fucking corny. But if you did it at the beginning... That would be good. I mean, we've done that before. Remember, we did the Radio Ethan one, and someone fucking aggregated and said like Ethan Strauss. So da da da. Like, <laughs> it annoys me. I mean, that you know what? I'm okay with it on the podcast. I feel more like I own it. I don't like when you're on radio and they blast it out. For some reason, the radio one feels a little like dirty pool. But anyway, you were trying to gracefully outro us, Tom. I, I enjoyed yeah. myself on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just saw a band McMahon reporting that um, Steven Silas and James Harden did not have any communication during the holdout. They had a brief interaction Wednesday, according to Silas. Quote, I said hello to him. End quote. Fade the Rockets. And we're out. Thank you, Amin. Thank you, Ethan. Um, appreciate it. Oh. Stop. By the way. Of course, he won't edit it out, and I'll forget, and then everyone will hear me Googling the Nuggets roster because it's just easier for me to look it up than to try to be a smart guy and try and pull off the top of my head, but you know. <laughs>